The Edge of the World Art Studio is proud to present Helen of the Iron Horse, written by Paris Danielle Lee. Artwork by Helen Rachel Lee. Music by Fish Zombie the Onions. And special thanks to Spooky the Cat for her contributions, fuzzy as they might be. Chapter 52 A Snake in My Garden. 1882, December. 28, Denver, Colorado. Wednesday morning, the bar was full, and at the same time, the kitchen was full. Since Christmas Eve, any time any of the girls wanted, the back door to the bar that led into the kitchen was open. If they sat down at the large table, either Paris or Cassandra would serve them whatever they had on hand. It was not uncommon to find one or two of them at the table talking and drinking coffee with too much milk and sugar in it. Penthesilia had argued about the breakfast on Christmas Eve, but since Christmas she no longer seemed to care that Paris didn't charge anybody for the meals. So, on Wednesday morning, Elone, Mary, and Thalia sat around the table laughing as Paris and Cassandra went through the morning routine of preparing the food for the rest of the day, when there was a knock at the door. "'Whiskey girl?' Candace peeked into the kitchen through the back door. "'Candace!' Don't be shy. Come on in. Would you like some breakfast? Paris asked. Candace was a farmer's daughter. Her father owned one of the larger estates south of Denver. So, although the title farmer's daughter often implied a down-home kind of working girl, Candace was often thought of more like a princess. She'd been taking Paris's class at the advice of Felicia, who had been her teacher. Felicia and Candace had been exchanging books for years, they would meet up and discuss the plot points over dinners and lunches. So when they found out about the fighting class, they decided to take it together. It seemed so exciting and adventurous, like something out of the Arthurian legends or the Three Musketeers. Whiskey girl, can we talk? Candace asked as she stepped up into the kitchen. Go ahead. What is it? Paris asked as she wiped her hands on her apron. Um, it's my brother. I talked him out of it, but... What? My brother fancies himself a gunslinger, and I guess he is. He's kind of famous. Normally, the sheriff and him don't get along, but he went along with it and took the money because he didn't want to be thrown in jail for the next week or so. He went along with what? Asked Paris. The sheriff paid him to kill you. Where is he? He's here if you want to talk to him. Is he armed? He's always armed, but he's promised me not to shoot anyone. Well, thank goodness for that. Paris instructed as she began to set two more plates at the table. Philocides entered the kitchen. He limped a little, took off his hat, and held it in one hand. Miss Whiskey Girl? My name is Anna. Have a seat. Would you like breakfast? Breakfast? Yeah. We have stew and bread. There is chicken cooking and we can fry up some eggs for you if you'd rather. Stew sounds nice, he said, as he took the seat Paris indicated for him. You and Candace go ahead and sit down. Paris took the time to serve them coffee, fresh bread with butter, two large bowls of stew, and a cookie each. Alone, Mary, and Thalia said nothing as they watched, finishing off their breakfast with rapt attention. Paris made a bowl of stew for herself and sat across from Philocides. What's your name, cowboy? Paris asked, as she began to spoon cayenne powder and crushed red peppers into her stew, 
from the sugar bowl that she kept on the table for this purpose. Mark Boland, but people call me the Carson City Viper, he said as Paris slid the sugar bowl over to him. He looked at it suspiciously. Go ahead, Viper. It's just cayenne pepper and crushed chilies. It adds an extra kick most people can't take. But we're not like most people, are we? Philocides pulled up a spoonful and sniffed at it, and then shook his head. It was strong. Well, he dumped a spoonful of it into the stew and then stirred it with his spoon. Taking a bite, his eyes widened in surprise. She was right, he thought. It's way better this way. I've heard about the viper. They say you have poisoned bullets. Have you poisoned your bullets? Yeah, they're poisoned, he claimed. What would be the point in poisoning a bullet? Aren't they deadly enough as it is? When I draw a man down, he thinks about that. He thinks, what happens if I'm hit? But I survive only to die later of the poison. He begins to worry he's not good enough. And just as the doubt crosses his mind, that's when I draw. You're a quick-draw artist. Artist? Yeah, I'm a quick-draw artist. My mother always told me, never quick-draw nothing. If you go into battle, you do it with your gun in your hand. (laughs) Do you always listen to the advice of your mother on gunfighting? Every single word of it. Paris said, as she took a large bite of stew, She had her spoon in one hand and a small piece of bread and butter in the other. Philocides raised an eyebrow. So, you don't think you're in a battle now? You trust me enough to sit across the table from me, knowing that I'd been hired to kill you? Knowing who I am? Knowing I'm armed? He asked, when he heard the cocking of a hammer behind him. Not exactly, Paris said. Cassandra stood behind him, her colt lightning in her hand. But I trust your sister. And you're sitting at my table, having breakfast with my friends. I would think you were smart enough to understand the danger of making an enemy you don't need. Paris waved Cassandra back, and Philocides could hear her very carefully uncock the hammer. But he still couldn't see the girl, so he knew he was not exactly a hundred percent safe. There's another rumor I heard about the Viper. Tell me if it's true that you killed the Reaper. Paris asked continuing to eat her stew. I did. How? I drew him down. It was high noon, and the sun was hot. The dust washed through the streets of Carson City that day. Sweat dripped off our eyebrows as we faced each other down. He was mean-looking. His beard was thick, except for where the scars ran through it. This is your last day, I called to him. He laughed, not believing me. He called back to me. I am death itself, and I have come for you. Our hands were twitching at our sides, inches away from our holsters, knowing that the very moment a finger touched metal, one of us would die. I waited, watching him, when a bead of sweat slipped down his forehead and fell into his eye. He blinked. My hand grabbed the leather and came up with my gun. The blink of an eye was all I needed. The reaper fell dead before me. I took his gun. I carry it now. And every man I've killed since, I've killed with it. He pulled out the single-action army pistol that had once been Jonathan's and set it on the table. Whiskey girl, I thought your gun was the reaper's gun. Cassandra asked. Paris winced. She was planning not to mention that. 
It's possible that they are both the Reaper's guns. He had more than one, and the morning he died, he was carrying two. You have the other gun? Asked Philocides. Yep, said Paris. Can I see it? Nope. Come on, just between colleagues. We can be honest with each other. Can I see it? Honest with each other? Let's start with, it would be impossible to poison a bullet. The fire that burns through the chamber would burn off any poison you could put on it, and any trace elements left behind would not be enough to poison someone. Also, the Reaper was killed in late October. It wasn't hot that day, and it had rained the night before. There was no dust. He was also killed while robbing a bank, not in a quick-draw contest. Nobody did that back then. It's possible that that is Jonathan's gun, and it's possible that you were there the day he died. It's even possible that you had a hand in it. But if you did, you were among fifty other men who were there too. It took an entire unit of soldiers to bring down my grandfather. Your grandfather? Yep. My gun is an heirloom, passed down in my family, along with the skill to use it. You're the Reaper's granddaughter. Typically, I don't phrase it like that. But yes, Jonathan Perdue was my grandfather. Philocides looked around the room. No one was talking. They were all staring at him. All right, all right, I may have exaggerated a bit, but I was there that day, and this is his gun. Wait, you didn't kill the Reaper? asked Candace. No, I killed him. Probably. Most likely. I'm pretty sure it was me. Along with 50 other guys? I'm telling Mom, Candace announced. Candy, don't do that. Come on. Philocides pleaded. All the girls at the table laughed. Why lie about it? Asked Paris. It's the first move in chess. Chess? Chess. You know, the game with the little horses. I know what chess is. Well, the first move happens when you sit down to play. Do you claim to be a novice? Do you act aloof like a master who's far above his opponent? The game is in the mind. So you need to start the game the moment they see you. Or with a good legend years before. It's a bluff? It's not a bluff. I can back it up. But there are hundreds of ways to play the game. If you play it right, you can save your life. And theirs. I don't have to kill every man I stand down. If I can scare them into backing down. Are you really a quick-draw artist? Nobody calls it an art, but yes. My draw is the fastest in the West. How do you do it? The granddaughter of the Reaper wants quick draw lessons. Why not? Maybe you could teach me a thing or two. We could be friends. I'm not my grandfather. I don't blame you for his death, and I don't fight his wars for him now that he is gone. If that's his gun, you earned it. It's yours. There's no reason to meet each other out in the street and kill each other over it. All because the sheriff is too chicken shit to show up on Friday. Come on, we could be friends. Friends? Sure. You show me what you know about quick draws. I'll show you what I know about cooking. You seem to have liked the stew. Paris looked down at his empty bowl. You can come hang out in the kitchen with your sister and have supper any time you want. And Friday night, we'll hire you as security. There was an incident last Friday... I don't want repeated. What happened? Someone pulled a gun on me. I took care of it, but 
I need someone to stand around looking tough so no one tries that again. Paris held out her hand to Philocides. You'll show me that gun? He asked. Sure, Paris said, still holding her hand out. Philocides shook it. Friends, he said. Well, friend, what do we do about the sheriff? I have an idea. It's a little crazy, but I think it'll get the sheriff in the bar on Friday night. And once he's here, he'll have to fight me. All right, what's the plan? We are going to draw each other down and find out who is the fastest. I am, I promise you, said Philocedes. We shall see, replied Paris. Thursday morning, Paris, Thalia, and Cassandra browsed through the gun shop together. Cassandra rushed about, touching every weapon she could reach. Aren't you worried about tomorrow? asked Thalia. Why would I be worried? Paris asked in return. The quick draw contest? Oh, I'm not worried about that. I'm just worried the sheriff won't show up. If he smells the trap, he may be smart enough to stay away. He has to show up and come see the showdown, or there's no way to get him in the ring. But if you don't win the quick draw, then you won't be alive to fight the sheriff. Are you worried about me? Of course I'm worried about you. You're my friend, and I would miss you if you were gone. Well, you don't have to worry. I'm not going anywhere. So, what is it you're planning? I can't tell you. That would ruin the fun. What fun? Watching me worry? Seeing me get scared? Yeah, a little. You look so flushed. Is your heart starting to beat faster? It's a whole day before it's going to happen, and you're already flustered and nervous. How often does someone get to make you feel like this? Don't you want to be surprised? You're a wicked girl, Annalie. Who, me? What have I done? You know very well what you're doing to me, Temptress. Temptress? Isn't that your job? Are you feeling tempted, Thalia? If you'd like, we could probably find some time for you to indulge your temptation. Well, you could do that, but it'll cost you a dollar. Here. Paris pulled a silver dollar from her pocket and handed it to her. Thalia stared at it in surprise. She smiled as Paris walked away towards the counter. Whiskey girl, called the shop clerk. No, not you two. I've been coming here for years. You know my name is Anna, Paris insisted. I'm sorry, Anna. It's just too much fun to say. Here, these should fit your colt just fine. The clerk slid a box of ammo over the counter to Paris. What are you going to do with these things? The clerk asked. I'm going to win a boxing match, Paris answered. The bar was slow. It was too late for breakfast and a little too early for supper. So Penthesilia let Cynthia take care of the customers as she cleaned and dusted the bottles on display above the bar. When she came across Paris's glass... She picked it up to realize there was a thin layer of dust at the bottom. Penthesilia put the glass back up on the shelf and went to the kitchen. She checked the pantries and the cupboards. She looked behind the ovens. She even looked in the ovens that were not being used. She checked under the table and lifted the bags of flour to check them, but found nothing. She went upstairs to her room. She went through the closets, checked under the bed... But all she found on the floor next to the bedside table was the single bottle of whiskey she had given Paris on Christmas. It was only missing about one glass. 
the one she had served her that night. Frustrated, she sat down for a moment. Then she heard the sound of Paris, Thalia, and Cassandra returning from the gun shop. She went downstairs. Paris was checking on the food as Cassandra was pouring a mug of coffee for Thalia. Thalia, can I talk to you for a moment upstairs? asked Penthesilia. In your bedroom? It'll cost you a dollar. I don't want to sleep with you. I just need to talk to you upstairs now. Penthesilia ordered. Yes, my queen. Thalia smirked as she set her coffee aside and followed Penthesilia up to the room. Penthesilia pointed to the bed. Sit down, she instructed. What is it? Have you been sneaking the whiskey girl alcohol? No. I want to see the flask. What flask? Don't play coy with me, Thalia. You want to work out of this bar? You want to hang out in my kitchen and eat for free? Then you do as I say. I want to see your flask. Fine. I don't see what the big deal is. It's just a tool of the trade. Thalia reached under her skirts. Although Penthesilia couldn't see it, there was a custom-made holster that held a flask to her thigh. Thalia pulled the flask out and handed it to her. It was made of etched glass and had a leather wrap around the bottom. The leather had been decorated with the picture of a stag. Penthesilia could see that it was full. She handed it back to her. Sorry I doubted you, but I need you to be honest with me. Have you been sneaking the whiskey girl drinks? Not recently. She had some on Christmas. Shit. Penthesilia sat on the bed next to Thalia. What's the big deal? So she's not drinking. Isn't that a good thing? The whiskey girl is an addict. She's got a hole in her. Like she's missing something, and until she can find it, she'll keep trying to replace it with something else. I can control her drinking. But if she's not drinking, then she's found something else. Like what? Could be anything. Food, drugs, sex. But what I'm afraid of is she's becoming addicted to the rush of risking her life. This gunfight she has planned. Do you know what she's up to? No, she won't tell me. She just says, it's a surprise. Well, if you find out, tell me right away. And if she starts drinking again, you go ahead and serve her, but... Don't let her get too drunk, and tell me about it afterwards, okay? Okay. Thank you, Thalia. The whiskey girl is like a sister to me, and she is more fragile than she seems. You're a good kid. Help me take care of her. If she needs anything from you, and you need to be paid for it, come to me. I'll pay you. Do you understand? I'm not cheap. Come to me first. If it starts to become too expensive, we'll talk. Just don't do anything in my bed. <laughs> I'm your girl. Not my girl, but thank you. Now I have to get back to the bar. Penthesilia and Thalia went back downstairs. Paris took Thalia's hand and held her for a moment as Penthesilia went into the bar. What was that about? Paris asked. Um, makeup tips? Apparently the queen wants to look her best tomorrow. Thalia lied. Is that all? Paris looked relieved, but she didn't let go of her hand right away. Thalia looked down at it, and Paris flushed. She dropped her hand and went back to working in the kitchen. Thalia sat down at the table and picked up her coffee. She's an addict, she thought. She pulled out her flask, opened it, and poured a small amount into her coffee. Hey, whiskey girl, 
Want some? She held out the flask for Paris. Paris turned to her and smiled. No, I'm okay right now. Maybe later. Paris's smile fell on Thalia. It felt like a beam of sunlight. Thalia turned away and nervously put the flask back into its holster. As she did, she felt the glass clink against the silver dollar Paris had given her earlier. What's she addicted to? Food? Drugs? Sex? Sex has got to be a safer addiction than gunfights. And after all, Celia's promised to pay me. Thalia smiled to herself and drank her coffee. Tomorrow? We're going to have some fun. This has been Helen of the Iron Horse, written by Paris Lee, artwork by Helen Lee, performed by Helen and Paris. All characters within are fictional and bear no intentional resemblance to anyone living or dead, except, I guess, for Helen and Paris. See more of our work at edgeoftheworldart.com. If you would like to comment on the show or ask any question, please email us at Helen of the Iron Horse at gmail.com. The proceeding was made with the love and encouragement of all of our friends at the LA LGBT Center's Trans Lounge. Thank you. <laughs>